Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays, wherever you may be across this great country or indeed around the world. Um, I'm taping this a little bit early, uh, about 1030 on the East Coast. So who knows what craziness might happen uh, before this officially goes up. But I know that there's a vote, for instance, going on with the Speaker of the House. <clears throat> I, I know certainly that the response from Israel uh, to the terror attack in Hamas is continuing. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, but I just want everybody out there to know that if something crazy happens and I'm not reacting to it, it's because I'm in New York City right now. Um, and uh, I am headed down to Florida tomorrow or late tonight. Um, and uh, there will be no outkick the show Thursday or Friday. I'll be back with you in Nashville on Monday. Uh, okay, so I want to start with this. The reason why I'm in New York City is because of an organization called Tunnel to Towers. Uh, and Tunnel to Towers, founded by Frank Siller in the wake of 9-11, has done an incredible job taking care of all of the heroes of 9-11, and they've since expanded their mission to take care of first responders all over uh, the United States uh, and also military who die while they are in uh, the process of protecting us as first responders or protecting us as members of the military. Um, and for instance, last night, they had three different widows stand and tell the story of their husbands dying and Frank Siller and the Tunnel to Towers organization uh, helping to uh, to take care of them by buying, paying off their mortgages, giving them homes, and allowing them to focus. All of them had young kids. reason why I bring that up, uh, the, the, the charity golf tournament, their big event of the year, uh, took place at Liberty National, which is just over the river from New York City. There's some incredible uh, views of uh, the Statue of Liberty. I posted a couple of the photos up on social media. You can go see those. I played mediocre, as always, golf. Uh, but Frank Siller's organization, Tunnel to Towers, raised over $2 million uh, at yesterday's event. And as I was golfing, and I've thought a lot about this recently, but as I was golfing, I could look out and I could see uh, where the One America Tower is that replaces where the Twin Towers used to be. It's now been a little bit over 22 years since uh, those uh, Muslim terrorists flew their planes into the Twin Towers as well as the Pentagon. And then also in Pennsylvania, the, the plane that was brought down uh, by those uh, brave individuals on that flight. And I couldn't help but think about it in the context of what's going on in Israel right now. And in particular, I thought about this. In the wake of 9-11, I'm not sure America has been more united than at that moment at any point in my life. Uh, overwhelmingly, regardless of what your identity was, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, Americans were united in understanding what good and evil looked like. And evil was flying airplanes into those buildings, flying airplanes into the Pentagon, into the ground in Pennsylvania, thanks to the bravery of the people on that flight. Evil is a decision that you are going to kill innocent people because of what you believe in. There are a lot of different ways to describe uh, what evil is, but I think many Americans on that day stared directly into the face of evil. Uh, and 
what we know is the United States of America is not perfect. Uh, we have countless flaws because as all organizations or entities that are founded by humans who are all imperfect, there is no perfection. There is no perfect country. The United States is, however, the greatest and freest country to ever exist in the history of the world. No one and no, uh, no country has ever done more to advance freedom around the globe. Um, and I was thinking about that as the Hamas attack on Israel that has killed over a thousand Jews just based on being Jewish and the, uh, the response that we've seen in the United States. And I've asked this question on the Clay and Buck show before, how would America respond if 9-11 happened today? If basically the exact same scenario had happened, but instead of in 2001, it happened in 2023. And I think there are large percentages of left-wingers in this country that would argue that the United States effectively deserved what happened to us on 9-11. And some of you may say, well, that's crazy, Clay. I don't think it is at all. I think if you look at the way that the left-wing in this country is responding to the Hamas attack on, on the Jews, this is the most Jewish people to die in a day violently murdered since the Holocaust, to kind of contextualize that. And we've spent a lot of time, and some of you get mad um, because you're like, oh, I wish you would just tell me who's going to win the Tennessee-Texas A&M game, or why can't you just talk about USC-Notre Dame? Um, And the answer is because I love college football. I love the NFL. I love sports in general, but it doesn't matter, right? In terms of the direction of our country, What happens on a football field or a basketball court, by and large, has almost no impact on the overall trajectory of our country and the direction that the world is going. But if you look at the response to the murder of over a thousand innocent Jews by many people on the left in this country, what many of you are just starting to see is something that I've seen happen in sports, but in our country in general. And it is the rise of identity politics. And the way that I would define woke culture, you might have seen me on the Stephen A. Smith podcast because I got asked this question, and I certainly wrote a lot about it in my book. Woke culture ultimately can be foundationally defined, in my opinion, as identity politics over everything. And, And what I mean by that is nothing else matters but your race, your gender, your sexuality, And that must be plugged in as evidence of whether you're right or wrong. We don't look at facts anymore. We don't look at data. We look at identity and the identity politics, the oppression Olympics, as I call it, determines who's right and who's wrong. Uh, And so there are a lot of people on the left in this country. I couldn't believe what I saw happen. I'm in New York City right now, like I said, raising money for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. All over this country and all around the world, There have been people deciding to celebrate the murder of all these innocent Jews. You may have seen it uh, on uh, the steps of the Sydney Opera House. You may have seen it in Times Square here. You may have seen it in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, I could point to any number of clips that have gone viral of people around the world celebrating the murder of innocent Jews. And the reason that's occurring is because the identity politics prism defines Jewish people as colonizers or oppressors and so anything that's done to them 
can be justified. Now, this is absurd on any level, right, to define the Jewish population in this way. Um, but that's what identity politics does. And I saw a poll where uh, the majority of the Democrat Party now uh, believes that uh, the Palestinians are uh, the right side and the Jewish people are the wrong side in terms of who you should support. Um, and this is very, very important. Um because when you allow identity politics to govern your worldview, it's toxic. You may have seen statements that have come out from Harvard, from George Washington University, my uh, alma mater. Many different collegiate groups have put out statements uh, basically attacking Jewish people in the wake of their murder at the hands of Hamas. And you might think to yourself, how in the world does this happen? How could we end up in a situation where this is actually the conversation? Um, and it's because of identity politics, which is, I believe, the root of evil in this country today, and it must be destroyed. Um, and what you're seeing is the same people, whether it's the diversity, equity, and inclusion, the so-called DEI people, uh, whether it's Black Lives Matter, the same people who have been telling you for years, certainly since the rise of Donald Trump uh, to office, that Words are violence, and they even will argue silence is violence. They aren't willing to condemn actual violence because of who is propagating it. And I've been saying this, and I've, I've written it quite a lot in my books, that this tension of identity politics reveals itself often in the way that media covers stories because when they can't figure out who's higher on the oppression Olympics – they just pretend it doesn't occur, right? And I've, I've used, for example, uh, the Leah Thomas story. Who is more oppressed in the oppression Olympics here? Is it the man identifying as a woman who wants to become the women's champion? Or is it the women who are being excluded from being able to compete for their championships? Well, uh, it appears by and large that the left has decided, even though there are a tiny percentage of people that actually believe this, that the Leah Thomases of the world are more oppressed than women. Uh, and I talked about this in the context of the Deshaun Watson story. Uh, Deshaun Watson, 30-some-odd women accused him of sexual assault. Now, he was never charged with a crime, but he ended up paying to settle most of those allegations, missed 11 games. But most people in the media didn't really react when Deshaun Watson got the biggest contract in the history of football to go become the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Most of them out there didn't say, wait a minute, this guy was accused of sexual assault by 30 women. He only gets suspended for 11 games and then he gets rewarded with a guaranteed $250 million. How does that conversation happen? Well, the answer is because, again, the oppression Olympics doesn't know how to reconcile. The black guy, uh, uh, going head-to-head -head with 30 different, mostly anonymous women, they pretty much pretend that story doesn't exist. And what's happened with the uh, Hamas attack on Israel is you have to decide. Which side are you on? The one that massacred over a 1,000 innocent people? Or are you on the side of Hamas which mass massacred over a 1,000 innocent people. And you may have seen, and I give credit to her, 
you may have seen the clip that's gone viral, and we may be able to clip and share this. Uh, I give her a lot of credit for doing this. But Rashida Tlaib, who is a congresswoman uh, in the United States, uh, was walking through the halls of Congress, and she was asked, uh, basically, hey, what do you have to say about the massacre of thousands of innocent, a thousand innocent Jews? And I give a credit to Hillary Vaughn for asking the questions while walking through the hallways. Uh, Rashida Tlaib didn't comment. Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment. But first, this. Rashida Tlaib, who regularly has called the MAGA element and Donald Trump and others, uh, you know, fascists, Nazis, white supremacists, when confronted with true evil and with an easy opportunity to denounce true evil, couldn't do it. She has a flag for Palestine outside of her congressional office. And I think what you're seeing is many people who have ignored the stories that I've been sharing for the past several years, five, six, seven years, as I've talked more and more about serious things that are going on in the world, they don't know how to reconcile this. I mean, the Jewish vote typically is for uh, the Democrat Party. Now, maybe it's, you know, 65, 35, something like that breakdown now, but the majority of Jewish people in America uh, still vote for Democrats. I think a lot of them are looking around and saying, wow, how did we get here? How did the Democrat Party that I've always supported end up in a position where substantial members with prominence in the party are unwilling to condemn uh, a terror attack on over a thousand innocent Jews? The people who have been arguing that if you share opinions that they dislike, you are a Nazi, are unable to condemn and unwilling to condemn the actual mass slaughter of Jews that is the largest since the Nazis did it. And it's all because of identity politics. And so I bring it back to that question that I had, I'm, you know, standing playing mediocre golf at Liberty National yesterday, looking out to the area where they are, the Freedom Tower is and where you used to have the double uh, World Trade Centers, which as a kid I went up in the top of. I imagine many of you did as well if you're around my age and you took a trip to New York City at any point. Um, how would Americans respond? And... I think the answer is there's a substantial portion, maybe 20% of this country, that would argue America got what it deserved on 9-11. And that because of our history, that this is the price we should be paying, that we are not on the side of good, that we are evil. And I think that's what you're seeing with the response to Israel. So, again, it's a lot to contemplate. It's a very deep um, issue. But I do think that it's worth many of you out there, as I'm about to pivot into far less significant stories, think about why this story is uh, being played the way it is and why there is so much sympathy for Hamas slaughtering over a thousand innocent Jews in, as I've said, the single deadliest day for anyone of the Jewish religion, faith, and ethnicity that we have seen since the Holocaust. It turns out that the real Nazis are not people who say things that you don't like on the internet. 
they're the people who slaughter Jews, and the Nazi apologists are the people who refuse to condemn it. Um, all right, much less serious news. Uh, Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show uh, yesterday, and he said that Travis Kelsey, a.k.a. Mr. Pfizer, and he should have a debate over the efficacy of the COVID shot and that RFK Jr. should be his second debate partner and that Travis Kelsey should have Dr. Fauci. I love it. Credit to Aaron Rodgers. This is very funny. Here, is, and I think Aaron Rodgers and RFK Jr. would slaughter Travis Kelsey and Dr. Fauci in any sort of debate like this. Uh, but here's a prediction for you. I don't know if the articles have been written yet. I haven't been able to uh, to keep up on this. We're not very far from left-wing sports media writing stories saying that Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be able to go on Pat McAfee's show and appear on ESPN because they are platforming dangerous opinions from Aaron Rodgers. I, I, this story may have already been written. It wouldn't stun me if somebody on the left in this country has already written this piece, but we're sitting here, what is today's date? October the 11th. Uh, I am predicting that that is going to become a storyline soon. And I like Pat McAfee. I think he's funny. I think he's uh, zany, irreverent. I think he's a very talented guy. At some point, that conflict is coming because ESPN is going to get unhappy with the criticism that comes for, uh, for Aaron Rodgers sharing opinions that a huge number of Americans agree with, including me, that the COVID shot was, for the most part, worthless. Um, and what's going to happen, what's going to happen is there is going to be a left-wing complaint that Aaron Rodgers is able to make these comments, and they're going to demand that he not be allowed to be a guest anymore, and Pat McAfee is going to be furious about it. This is my prediction this conflict is coming. This is what the left, the woke ideology does. They don't actually condemn real violence. They condemn opinions they don't like, and they try to shut people down. I'm telling you, it's coming. Uh, the NHL has decided, you know what? We don't really want to be in the pride business. And I give the NHL credit for this. Uh, they have decided that they're going to ban uh, pride tape, which I guess is just like rainbow-colored tape that some uh, NHL players were putting on their hockey sticks. I'm not an expert in this. I've only read the story about it. I don't really notice because I don't watch very much NHL in the first place. So uh, unless I go to a game uh, in Nashville to watch the Preds I, and I take my boys because they want to go, I, I really have no idea, uh, and I've said this honestly for some time, what's going on in the regular season in the NHL. A lot of times in the playoffs, I pay attention because it's fun. Uh, but – I think this uh, response that we saw happen last year or so where players said, hey, I don't want to be forced to wear jerseys that have political statements in some way that I may disagree with based on religion or whatever else. I think there's a blowback coming in the opposite direction where a lot of teams are like, hey, you know what most of our fans want? They want to watch football games. They want to watch basketball games. They want to watch baseball games. They want to watch basketball games. They don't want for sports to be politics by any other name, which I certainly get. Um, and so I think this is a part and parcel of that pushback is, hey, maybe we don't really need special nights to try to attract people based on politics. Maybe our special night should just be, hey, let's put on a really good game. <laughs> and we don't need to get involved in identity politics and giving everybody 
all these different uh, special uh, associations with the team because ultimately the thing that unites everyone is rooting for the team together regardless of what different identities we might have. You know what? I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Mark Stoops, Kentucky head football coach, wants to buy better players. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to play with his own team. First of all, credit to him, right? We live in an NIL era. Uh, there are lots of uh, big-time NIL uh, groups that are going out and getting phenomenal players. And uh, and Mark Stoops uh, is at Kentucky. And Kentucky typically, you know, the last few years under Mark Stoops gets to seven, eight wins, gotten to 10 wins a couple of times. But he's saying, look, we're not buying as good of players as Georgia is. And if you want to win games like this, we need to buy better players. Now, one of the things I think is going to be funny about this is how is Mark Stoops' own team going to respond to him telling the fan base, hey, if you want us to win, uh, we need better players, a.k.a. I need to buy better talent to replace the talent that I have right now. I find that a bit funny. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I'm curious to see how Kentucky is going to respond to their head coach basically saying, hey, if you want to win good games, we got to get better guys than the dudes that are in this locker room right now. Um, another funny story. I don't know how many of you saw this video, and I bet we can clip it and share it. Um, USC is preparing for their game this weekend against Notre Dame. And the way that they are preparing is they are, I, I can't believe, they're expecting tough weather. Um, and, uh, and as a part of that tough weather, they are worried about rain and fielding punts and, and so on and so forth. And so they have made the choice, and I can't believe this is real, uh, they have made the choice to have a coach or an, a GA or whoever it is run around with like basically a squirt pack squirting water uh, while the players are trying to field punts. Now, those of you who haven't spent a lot of time in sunny Southern California, it really does not rain very much. Um, in the last several years in LA, it has hardly rained at all. So if you live in Southern California, but like, what are you talking about? It rains so rarely and the weather is typically so perfect that they don't even really know how to deal uh, with rain uh, necessarily at USC when it comes to fielding punts there. But the fact that this is the way to prepare by having a guy with a backpack full of water running around with a squirt gun effectively squirting water, uh, I, I'm not convinced that that is really going to simulate the conditions of a substantial rainstorm in South Bend. By the way, I'm on Notre Dame and I'm on the under uh, in that game. Um, I saw this story pop up and I was reading about it this morning before uh, before I came on. Uh Pablo Torre, who is one of the King Wokes, I think he got fired at ESPN. I'm not sure where he works now, but evidently he was at Harvard at the same time as Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, and so Pablo Torre decided to criticize on MSNBC Vivek by describing what he was like when they were both in college together. Now, this is 20 years ago, right? So... The idea that how you behaved at 18 is going to reflect how you behave at 38 uh, is uh, is interesting. But this is, I thought, an utter evisceration by Vivek Ramaswamy uh, of, uh, of Pablo Torre. Here's a direct quote. While Vivek doesn't recall ever meeting this gentleman, we wish Pablo the very best 
and hope he finds success in his career and life, whether that be through talking about former classmates as he is now or possibly through something more productive like creating jobs or building a business as Vivek has done. That, my friends, is balls-in-the-face style dunk from Vivek Ramaswamy on woke vanguard loser Pablo, Pablo Torre, who has me blocked, I believe, on Twitter. Because, again, if you see opinions you don't like on the internet, the only way to respond is by blocking them. Uh, I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. From Vivek dunking all over Pablo Torre. Um, and here's what he said. There's a taxonomy to that guy. That guy always raises his hand in class and is somebody who is insanely ambitious and insanely image conscious, but also totally numb to the idea that everyone around them is cringing. Hey, Pablo, thanks for describing yourself. This has been Outkick the Show, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Like I said, recording this one earlier because I'm headed to Florida. Um, going to do, so you know, the fade with Kelly Stewart at Kelly in Vegas, breaking down all my college football. Here are my picks. All my college football uh, gambling picks and also my NFL picks. Uh, thanks to Tunnel to Towers. If you've got time, go check out the organization. They do phenomenal work. This has been Outkick the Show.